0: Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the Elite Strategist, and you're listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. In this episode, I interview Andrew Undum from Baltimore, Maryland. He is a real estate broker. He has 15, I believe he said. Salespeople working for him and him and his team did $150 million in sales last year. They were number one in the city of Baltimore. This guy comes with a lot of knowledge and a lot of information to share. He shares a ton of great content in this interview check it out and um, leave us a positive review. We really would appreciate that. Go to the show notes and if you like it and you you like what you heard here, leave us a five-star review. Tell us how great, tell others how great it is. We would really appreciate it. And if you find value in this, in this episode, share it with your friends. Now let's get right into the content.
1: Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft.
2: Yes, so I'm a professional real estate salesperson by trade, and um, we have a sales team at Remax in Baltimore. Like you said, we've been fortunate enough to sell a whole lot of real estate over the last... Um, 10 years, is that's how long I've been in the business. And um, yeah, 15 salespeople, 150 million in sales at 520 deals last year. And we represent a lot of investors, a lot of home flippers, um, medium, small, medium, and large home builders too, from the regional players doing 20, 30, 40 units a year to the national home builders like um, Lenar, Ryan, Dr. Horton. We we're fortunate enough to work with them and their communities
0: as well. Man, I'm excited to have you here, Andrew, because I'm, I'm looking to learn. I'm looking to learn a lot from you and my audience is going to learn a lot from you, from a guy like yourself and in that market, in the, in the Baltimore, Maryland market. And I'm going to I'm going to kick off with this question. What is the one thing that you do that has given you that you've done that has given you the most success as an investor and as, a, and as an entrepreneur, as a business owner?
2: That's a good question. And it's definitely sales training. Maybe an uncommon answer, but we I, we do all kinds of stuff in the real estate space. But what I've found is there's so many realtors out there, 1.3 million in the United States, I'd say less than 1% have actually had real legitimate sales training. And when I say sales training, that's not like just some mindset, woo woo, get geared up and ready to go every day, which is important. You have to do the the right behaviors, but having the right technique, especially in the situations when you're dealing with the president of a home building company who's trying to sell 300 townhomes in the next two years and they want to make sure they hire the right firm. That's a big deal. You better be Mm -hmm. prepared for it because there's a lot of money on the line. And same thing when you're sitting down with Mr. and Mrs. Seller who want to sell their largest asset or an investor or a buyer. What's impacted me the most is the ability to communicate, execute, set expectations and have a smooth win-win process where everybody's getting their needs met and doing it in the manner in which they're going to say nice things about me on the internet afterwards.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. So can you give us an example of that? So can you give us an example of what that, what that means and what that looks like to um, those sales techniques when you're sitting with a with a president of a big company or you're sitting down with an investor and you're trying to get that investor. So what do you teach your salespeople? Because sales, sales, uh, sales is the most important skill that a human being can have because we're selling all the time. So that's influence basically. So I'm glad that you, that that you said that because I'm a big believer in that. So give us an example of that.
2: Well, it's hard to unpack that in in a simple couple sentences on mm-hmm. the impact of what being a good salesperson is, but it starts with bond and rapport, and some people naturally have it, like you probably do Martin, you're you know you walk into a room, you're friendly, people kind of gravitate to you. But it's a learned skill as well. So you have to be able to establish bond and rapport with folks. Um, and not just be robotic and making people uncomfortable. Everyone's been in a situation where you're in a room and you're like, this kind of just feels weird. The frequency is not right. You have to be able to diffuse the situation and have proper bond and rapport. Once you establish that, an example would be setting expectations up front very clearly in a way that's going to get your prospect, whoever you're dealing with, what they want. Look, it's not about you, 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 and you getting money. It's about hey, am I a good fit for this? And if not, let's part company. How do we find that out right away? And especially at the higher levels of, of executives and maybe classically trained C-suite people that you're talking with, they love this. You'll instantly get the respect and you'll become a person they want to do business with if you start treating interactions this way. An example would be Martin. And Martin, you're, if, if I'm trying to sell you something, if I'm trying to do anything with martin if i'm trying to sell you an apartment building here in baltimore which maybe you're interested in because you had my good friend keith rayner on and that's what he yeah we've been looking Um, uh i'd say hey martin in order to make the best use of your time what types of things would you like to go over today what i'm doing there is i'm trying to capture martin's agenda what's important to martin Mm -hmm. he'll tell me and i'll say hey and I'll, I'll reiterate that and I'll say, hey, here's a couple of things I'm going to want to go over with you to make sure we're on the same page, you know, time frame, budget, decision-making, cool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Establishing these expectations is really important in any interaction. Um, so I don't want to beat, I mean, we could talk for 40 minutes just on that little yep, yep, concept. Yep, yep, yep. I got
0: it. I got it. Well, thank you. That's really, really important information. I totally agree with you. That is for me, that is the most important skill a human being can have is their ability to influence. And sales is influence, as you know. It's just being able to build that rapport. And you nailed it on. I agree with, with what you said. I want to talk about the market with you as to you being in, in Baltimore, you being in Maryland, and, and us being in the middle of, of this pandemic. And so many things are changing. You know, We have some of the experts are calling for an eviction crisis, uh, we some experts are calling for we're gonna see a spike in foreclosures. Just just recently I got some data from Redfin, just this month. So as we record this, we're in August 2020, but I got some data from Redfin that says that New York City, New York, right? New York City, per se, Manhattan, their their values are down by 17.1%. It's no secret that people are leaving big cities in just, you know, in in massive quantities. What is your experience there in Baltimore as it reflects to the real estate market? From your perspective, you being one of the big, big guys down there.
2: Yeah, we have a unique insight, uh, especially in the Baltimore metropolitan area because we do do so much in that world. And this conversation happens often, especially with the bigger players. What's going to happen? How's this going to impact value? Now, Baltimore, over the last five years, was never up like a lot of these cities were. New York, everything was just going bananas because the economy was really strong. Jobs you know, were, were plentiful. All the economic indicators had a lot of these markets really going up, 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 up. New York City being one of them. Um, and some really other, like Northern Virginia's just bananas. Now, Baltimore was never up. Hmm. It was never up. It was always kind of stable. Wow. So, what goes up tends to come down, especially when these big macro things change. Baltimore is going to remain fine. It's kind of slowly on the incline like this. We're not seeing this drive. We're, we're pretty resilient. It's like you can't hurt Baltimore. We already got all the bad press in the world, which is unfair, by the way, because Baltimore, one of the most amazing cities um, it does have challenges, like like many cities, but just amazing neighborhoods, incredible Inner Harbor. We have the largest roll-on, roll-off port in the United States. You have so much going for it. It's a major East Coast U.S. metropolitan between the financial capital of the world and the political capital of the world, right there. I mean, you can drive either way in a couple of minutes. So, yep. what I'm seeing in Baltimore is there. The market's pretty stable still with these interest rates being so low, there's a lot of people actually getting off the renting train getting into the buying capacity. So our market's been been pretty good. It's not like New York City where there's just giant amounts of commercial product and you know eight million people on this, you know in these boroughs in New York City. it's mm-hmm. we haven't had as much of an exodus, although historically Baltimore's been having that exodus for the last 10 years, to 20 years. The population steady decline.
0: Okay. Okay, that's fair enough. How is the? How are you guys dealing as an investor from one investor to 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 another? How are you as an investor, and how are your client investors dealing with the, with the challenges that are happening with people not paying rent, um, people with the eviction? The courts are opening up. I think Keith told me Keith Raynor, property manager, our friend told me that August 31st I think he said is when the courts opened up for evictions and that that can turn really ugly for for some of, some of us as investors right and then you go into the winter as keith explained you go into the winter you can't really evict people cuz you know they're going to get this mass mass and the courts are going to get this mass influx of of evictions what are you seeing there what is what is your experience and people in your circle and your agents what what are you guys experiencing there
2: Well, so my partner and I own a property management company as well. It's separate from Keith's where we manage about 130 units um, in Baltimore. And then I personally have maybe nine or so myself. So I'm always looking to buy good deals, of course. So on my personal stuff, I only buy in A plus areas. People Mm -hmm. used to give me shit for this. They say, oh, the cash on cash is not as good. You should consider Section Eight. You can, you know, you can get a lot better returns in some of these, you know, maybe B to C minus areas. So you can go mm-hmm. scoop something up for hundred K and rent it for twelve hundred. It's great cash flow. Yep. I've always stayed in the A plus areas, um, for and, and this is where it really has paid off because all my tenants. They pay on time. They've always paid on time. I become friendly with them. When they do not want to renew this lease, I end up selling them a different property. I really take care of them, lead with empathy. Uh, I did have one tenant say, hey, it was a commercial piece, salon. Um, She said, I can't open my store. I'm not going to pay rent. And instead of just fighting this woman, which I imagine most property managers were like, hey, you better pay rent. I'm going to evict you. I said, hey, look, let's figure it out. I went and met with her and I said, look, here's the different programs that are available to you. She didn't even know they existed. I said, you need to go to the bank right now and apply for these loans. And I helped her get them. And then she paid, of course, never missed a beat. If you take the time to help your tenants through a problem, you have to look at these problems as an opportunity to really create a long lasting relationship with people. If you go help your tenant out, get them out of a tough spot, you think they're going to have your back and take care of your property and, and be happy to pay you on time and refer you other people and other deals. The answer is yes, but most people don't want to do that hard work, um, and it's annoying a little bit. But you have to look at the opportunity and the obstacle.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Andrew, do you do does do you and your team sell commercial? It sounds like you do. You guys also do sell commercial, yes.
2: I mean, a little bit, a little bit here and there, not as much. Okay.
0: Okay. So if I'm a new agent and I'm not a new agent, excuse me, I'm a new investor, a newbie, and I'm listening to this podcast and I want to get into a relationship with a real estate professional, such like yourself that can bring me deals, but I'm totally new. I'm just getting educated. I'm listening to this podcast. I'm taking some courses. I'm going to some real estate investors meetups. And I like to have build a relationship with someone like you that has influence in in, you know, in in your town. How does a newbie present himself to you so that you take him serious and you bring deals to you could potentially bring opportunities to that newbie or even a or even a. a a seasoned guy, right? But a a seasoned guy is a little different because you're going to talk the lingo and you're, you're really quickly going to know that this, this person is seasoned and what they're doing.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, Martin, it's no wonder you have such a good following on your podcast. That's a really good question. And I get approached probably daily. I'm not even kidding. If it's a text, someone hit me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, calling the office, walking in because they see our signs everywhere in these A plus neighborhoods downtown. Mm -hmm. And I can tell within the first five minutes if this is going to be a massive waste of time. And 99% of the time it is. Because Let's talk about that. people don't have their shit together, Martin. You got to have your shit together. Everybody wants a deal. Everybody wants to go, hey, man, can you give me some deals? What? <laughs> yeah, like everybody like everybody wants the deal. What you need to do, and it goes back to the very first thing we were talking about, Martin, you have to be really good at sales and salesmanship. And that doesn't mean doing anything weird and slimy. It means presenting yourself in a professional manner and identifying an outcome and going after it. You need to sell me on why you're worth my time mm-hmm. and vice versa and vice versa. I'm not, we're both on the hook there, mm-hmm. but if you're going to come to me and approach me, you better have it doesn't have to be a presentation per se, but you're introducing yourself as, hey, this is why I'm not going to waste your time. Pitch me on why I should be even putting you on the list to get a deal or or bringing you a deal. And what you have to do as an investor, Martin, is you have to say, hey, I wonder what's important to this agent. So if I was an investor, if I was in your shoes and I was approaching me, before I even had that meeting, I'd say, hey, I'd like five minutes of your time. I'm trying to find a way to make have you list all my homes and make you as much money as possible? Like, okay, now I'm interested because here's a guy who's not just like, what you're, what you are saying is, Hey, give me a deal. But you're saying, Hey, I'm trying to make you money.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: That's a good way to start a conversation. And Mm -hmm. I definitely will not waste your time. Most of these guys do using hard money and they're so timid to make a deal. They think they want to be an investor, but really they have analysis paralysis and they want you to go open 20 doors for them. I'm not going to open a single door for you until you can prove that you're ready to pull the trigger on something legitimate. If you have the cash, if you have your financing lined up, how quickly you can turn it around. And you have to tell me, don't just rely on me for the ARV. I'll, like, what, what is it worth? What is it worth? You tell me what you think it's worth. You're the one with all the money here. You're taking all the risk. I'll help you. But this is a two-way street do not waste my time.
0: Perfect. So someone calls you and they're like, they saw a billboard or they saw an ad or something, right? Andrew, what's that conversation? So I only have five minutes with you on the phone. Right. And I know how to, you know, I know how to do this, but, but my question is for you. Well, what is that conversation like? Like they need to have what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing from you is that they, they need to have clarity on what they want. So they need to know their shit right they need to know their stuff, so hey, listen, Andrew. I know you're a busy guy i'm looking for this is what i'm looking for i'm looking be, i'm looking for a property in this neighborhood a c a b class property it needs to cash it needs to be a ten percent cash on cash return for it to work for me. I need x y z amount of doors I need x y z amount of return. I like to see if we can work together. Do you have anything like that? Is that something? Is that a conversation? Is that the type of conversation you want to hear when you're talking to, to a guy calling you?
2: Yeah, I want to know their budget. I want to know, that, and they need to prove that they have yeah. the, the wherewithal to actually close on property. I want to know mm-hmm. their time frame, like when do they want to accomplish this, Black? So this is like, yeah, I'm just kicking it down the road for a couple of years. That's not happening. I Need budget, mm-hmm. time frame, and I need their decision making process. If I show you the house, this is called bringing. The future into the present. So I'll say, okay, Martin, imagine we go look at these five homes that are these 10% cash on cash returns you're looking for. And one of them is perfect. What happens next? And if they if don't say buying we, it, look, look. And if mm-hmm. they don't say we're writing the offer right there on the spot, yeah, right. Correct. we're not doing it. We're not doing it. The, gotcha. Oh, my uncle needs to come down and he needs to look at it. And I need to maybe find some contractors. Click. It's over. I'm done with that.
0: Yeah. That's a tire kicker. Right. That's a tire kicker. Okay, that's 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 great because a lot of especially right now in this market, right? You guys are so busy. Realtors are so so busy. And um, I've seen this before. I've seen Only the good before. ones are, Martin. Only the good ones. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen this before. It's hard to get the good ones to, you know, to, to work with you. Where in two thousand and six, two thousand and five, seven, it was just like this. The realtors were busy, but everything like you said earlier, everything that goes up must come down. So in that downtime you know right now the realtors are busy 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 but in that downtime you want to have those relationships with those guys that can actually execute those of us that are studying the data those of us that are looking at the at the data are kind of projecting no one's got a crystal ball right of which i want to i want to go into your crystal ball uh, no one's got a crystal ball no one really knows only thing we know is we can look at data we can look at past we can look at past experiences what's happened in the past and then we can make intelligent, educated decisions in the future. I personally think that everything is really, really high right now. The market is really, really hot. This is not an investor's market. I personally think that it will be in the next 12 to 18 months. You know, we, there's the data shows that. I want to know what are your thoughts on that? What it, what, it, what is your crystal ball? What are, what are your projections? What do you think is going to happen in the market? You being a, a you know, real estate professional in it, day in and day out?
2: Well, one of the things I'm most excited about, because I was close to buying some commercial property that would be office space type commercial. And the deal didn't work out. And kind of like, thank God, right? Because like, commercial property looks like office space is not in high demand right now. No one can go to the office. People are realizing they can work from home. I'm working from home right now in my house. Um, but I do think in the next couple years, after all these, owners of commercial property are get crushed by vacancies, by tenants moving out, by people not paying, by companies downsizing and letting people work more remotely because they realize it works, arguably potentially even more productivity from home and you can just accomplish tasks whenever you want, not just nine to five bullshit with your friend at the water cooler kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a big opportunity to buy commercial. And that's what I'm excited about because once they you know, commercial has been going up forever and it's just the best triple net lease. There's no one breaking toilets and, and doing all this other stuff that the residential investments have. Commercial's nice and clean. Not these big buildings, like in Manhattan, when you have 50,000 square feet of apartment building and of, a, of commercial space in a building, that's tough. I'm talking about like the strip malls, these little, you know, nice commercial plays. I'm going to be really bullish on that only because I think they're going to get beat up quite badly. And you want to buy when things are getting beat to shit. Like what Warren Buffett says right here, when everyone else is fearful, it's time to be greedy. So when everyone else is, oh my God, my tenants aren't paying. I can't lease this up anymore. I got to sell. I got to sell. That's when guys like Martin and I are going to come in and say, okay, you want to sell? We got cash, straight cash. What do you want? What do you want for it? Boom. And you pick it up and you're good. Now, in terms of the residential side, where I actually that's pure speculation. I need to asterisk that. I'm not a commercial guy. It's just what I see happening. In the residential sector, I think the market's going to be great because when this COVID thing ends, coming into this, the indicators were so thoroughly good. Jobs, stock market, economy, everything's good, even though the political environment's just toxic and gross. Throw all that out the window. It doesn't even matter to me, I think, who wins and The election. I just think this country is so robust, and it's its anti-fragile, if you will, where we overcome these obstacles. We're going to come out of this, and I think the economy is going to come roaring back. They'll keep the interest rates low until we really get our feet on the ground. The housing market will continue to have historically low inventory, which drives prices up. We're not going to make up for this inventory overnight. Inventory is so low across the country, historically low. Mm -hmm. Home builders will do really well, investors, if you are still, you can't, Scared money doesn't make money. You can't sit on the sidelines for too long saying, oh, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. Well, these deals are passing you by, Um, so I'm still very bullish. Again, speculation could be terribly wrong, but what worse can happen? They already shut down the economy for like three months. They've Mm -hmm. laid off thousands of people. Look at the stock market. Look at everything. It's propped up by some stimulus. But this country just gets through stuff like this. It's because capitalism works. and it, it, We're not perfect here in the United States. We all know that now. But mm-hmm. it's pretty damn good.
0: Pretty awesome, actually. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Love this country.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's better than a lot of places.
0: Yeah. I, and I would argue that it's the best place in the world to live. My opinion? Again, that's just an opinion. Uh, I want to ask you about. I know that you work with builders. What's happening in the building space from your perspective? I know that the data shows that again, inventory is extremely low across the country, except to except in some in some big cities. Again, like New York, I, I was looking at some data in New York City, and it's just you know prices are plummeting there. Inventory vacancy is super high there. Of course, New York City was the epicenter of one of the first who got hit in terms of the COVID situation and builders. I'm looking at data. Some of the data shows that builders are just building like crazy still. I mean, they're just, they're just building. What is your, what is your experience down there?
2: If you, there's not enough land to go around. These builders are just chomping at the bit to get inventory because they know everyone has a new home construction shows well. It's brand new, new paint, new hardwood, stainless steel, granite. It just shows good. That sells. When there's nothing else on the market, you put, bring up a spec, at least in almost all of the markets around the country right now, outside of New York City, which is the most densely populated, the worst place to ever have a pandemic like this that spreads virally. You got to take New York out of the equation because um, this is like black swan. Mm-hmm. Stock there, it's like this is so unpredictable. And New York City will come back too, but it certainly will. I, th- I think it will. But the builders right now can't find enough land to develop. They can't find enough stuff to build on. So if you look at these builder stocks like NVR, which is Ryan Homes, um, Lennard, Dr. Horton, Beezer, the stocks are through the roof because they are their pricing is going up. They're sitting on all these land positions. And the, the sales prices keep going up. They're able to sell. The cost basis is here, but they're able to sell for higher and higher prices. So the build, builders are doing pretty good. The, the main issue they're having right now, as far as I can tell, is just supply shortages. It's hard to get lumber. It's hard to get windows. It's hard to get appliances. It's hard to deliver and, and hit that fulfillment of all the demand because this things are impacting everybody. These factories are working a little slower. There's not enough people, boots on the ground, getting in the, you know, doing what it takes to bring all this stuff together to to deliver a home. So that's been a that's been a challenge.
0: Yes. So why real estate over any other investment? What advice? What's your advice there? Why why choose? Why would someone? Why should someone choose real estate and putting their money in real estate over the stock market?
2: Mm, That's that's almost too easy, Martin. It's like. Well, real estate, first of all, you got all the tax benefits. So you Mm and I have talked about this before. You're know, you writing off so much in real estate. It's an asset that, A, you can leverage. That's that's the most important thing. People get on this kick thing, debt's like this worst thing ever. When interest rates are this low, debt is your best friend. I was joking with my buddies. I was saying, hey, back up the Brinks truck. I'll take it all at 2%. How much will you give me? All day long, baby. I'll take it all of it. All day long. So when you go to buy a stock, say you wanted to buy Apple, great stock, blowing up right now. I'm a big Apple fanboy. You can't see my Steve Jobs picture over here. Um, you go to the stock broker, and you say, I got $5,000, I want to buy Apple stock. Okay, they'll give you $5,000 of Apple stock. Whereas if you're going to buy a piece of real estate, and oh, by the way, on, on Wall Street and the stock market, you're competing with AI, machines that are going at breakneck speed, brilliant people. Make no mistake, these guys are extremely smart. They're extremely good at trading. You cannot compete with these guys and their machines on Wall Street. You can buy and hold, like Buffett would say, and be fine, but you're not going to win day trading and stuff like this. Now, in real estate, you're just competing with Harry Homeowner and all these random people. So the competition's not as sophisticated. Unfortunately, that's just the truth. Two is... If you have $5,000, you can buy maybe a $100,000 house depending on the program. That's the leverage piece. So now I can buy a $100,000 asset, the competition's lower, I'm going to get all the tax benefits. And you can actually use the asset. You can live in it, you can make it your own, you can rent it, keep it, sell it. Whereas like these stocks, if we're comparing it just to an equity position. It's just the number on the screen. You have no impact on Apple stock or any of these other stocks. But the key is Martin, you should be doing both. You should buy some real estate, but make no mistake, you should be investing. Don't wait to buy real estate, by the way, for all the young people listening, you gotta start now. The fortune looms large for those who start early. And I was really lucky to get in the business at 22. Thank God. And um, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait.
0: T. Harveckard Record said that in his book, and I think, The Millionaire Mind. I don't know if you read that book, The, the, the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind.
2: Yeah, it's a good one.
0: That's an awesome, that's an awesome quote. Uh, speaking of which, if you have uh, right, anyone listening right now, in your opinion, what should they be doing to prepare for the opportunities ahead? Because while the mindset of many is, oh, my gosh, things are falling apart, the world, blah, blah, blah. My mindset is, I see opportunities, I need to be preparing, I'm experienced enough, I've seen some things, I've been around a little bit, seen some things, you you, you seem to be the same way, Andrew, you seem to be looking for the opportunity and be excited for the, and are excited for the opportunities ahead. Someone's listening, what's your advice for them to be preparing for the opportunities coming
2: ahead? We got to look at it this way, and I told our sales team this, imagine someone may wave the magic wand and said, hey, I'm going to have all your competition take three months off. What a gift. That's a beautiful it's like, gift. It's like, this is, it's like winning the lottery. All your competition is going to kind of panic and stop working. How does that sound? It sounds like you better get the fuck to work because we're about to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually prepare for that? How do you actually do that? It all boils down to and I know you're probably a big personal development guy. I saw your NLP it's like you're you're yep. up to speed on this, yep. but you have to determine what your routine is going to be that's going to lead you to success. And this sounds like kind of corny or whatever, but like you better know the night before what you're going to do the next day. And you have to have a powerful routine that's going to enable you to accomplish your goals. So especially when you have maybe a little more downtime, maybe you don't have to commute, Maybe um, you know, with everything going on, you have some more time to focus on yourself because this is the best investment you're ever going to make. Even if you hit a, a grand slam on an investment property, if you get better yourself, no one can take that away from you. It doesn't matter what the market does and the returns will be 100x. So waking up early, getting your mind right, and getting ready to actually take action. And maybe as an investor, taking action is I need to link up with some more real estate agents or better yet, I want to link up with another good investor and just mm-hmm. sit at his feet and pray he'll let me bird dog for him and hustle for him because then you're going to end up getting his relationships too.
0: 100%.
2: So that's that's what I would do is just get my mind right and then determine to take action. You don't have to do it all either. Pick a couple things because everyone gets overwhelmed. I want to do a podcast like Martin. I want to buy more real estate. I want to Hook up with a real estate agent. I want to start doing more social media. One at a time, and it, it will compound. And mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to stop you is you. And the only thing that's going to stop you is you not having a routine that's going to actually be fulfilling to you. Because once you get going and you get that momentum, you're unstoppable. But most people never get to momentum because they're so worried about what everyone else thinks. And they have the 50 bullet points they want to do. And they don't end up checking off any of them. So you got to get to work.
0: It's called clarity. So I'm glad you mentioned that, and I'm gonna. I want you to tell us really quick what your what your routine looks like, because I'm a big believer in routine. We have a. I offer a a habit tracker, which is to help people improve their habit. It's free. Anyone that texts the word strategies to 33222, they get my habit tracker, and this is how I mentor and help some of my students. It's with your routines, man. What you doing every day? It comp like you said. It compounds. That strategies to 33222, and you'll get the free PDF, and then you we got a video showing you how to use it. Uh, so what is your your morning routine? Cause it sounds like you, maybe you've read, I don't know if you've read how, um, how Elrod's book, the miracle morning, but he talks about that in this book. What does that routine look for Andrew look like for Andrew?
2: You know, I could be more disciplined on it, Martin. It's not that it's, it's not as awesome as I know what it should be, but like, mm-hmm. see, I have two kids. I'm not sure. You might be able to hear them running around and, um, what you need to be doing in the morning is, and here's what it is looks like for me when I'm operating at a high level. I'm in this weird funk where I'm trying to play golf a lot my assistant's on maternity leave. And when I don't have my personal assistance around me to make my life easy, it's, it's harder to get stuff done. So I've been taking some some time. But even with that still, you have to wake up early. There's no excuse not to do that. I'm the biggest sleeper ever. I get 10 hours a night. I can sleep like a grizzly bear. And I love sleeping, so I go to bed early. But you still have to wake up early. So A, you have to wake up, and B, you immediately have to exercise. Now, Martin mentioned the Miracle Morning book, and he has got this brilliant acronym. It's called SAVERS, and there's like these six mm-hmm. key things you really should do if you want to knock it out of the park. But I'd say, hey, you wake up early, you exercise, and if really the morning of starts the night before, and I do do this – before I go to bed, I want to make sure here's, what I, here's my, my top priorities to tackle the next day. And if I wake up early, I exercise, and then I immediately bang out all the tough stuff that I knew I needed to do from the night before, from the, the prior planning, I've already won the day by 11. I'm up early, I'm worked out, I got some priorities done. Now I don't feel terrible about going golfing. I already got, yeah. I already crushed.
0: Awesome. That's great, 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 great uh, advice, my friend. So if we have some listeners that want to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you, Andrew? Where can people find you? Are you on social media? Are you on what's your website? What how can people find you if they want? they're, They're listening to this and they're like, man, this Andrew guy is really sharp. Love to connect with him or someone on his team to help me either find an investment or list a property or do business with you. How do they reach you, Andrew?
2: Uh, Well, again, thanks for having me. I'm all over the social media channels. My company is called the Sure Sales Group. That's S-U-R-E, Sure, Sales Group. And we're pretty big on social. And one of the things that did propel us to being the number one team in, in Maryland and doing the 150 million is we're extremely active on social media and targeting demographically and intelligently using media to get eyeballs on us for the right reasons So we have our own in-house media team i got my own videographer green screen at the office on instagram i'm at undem it's just my last name u-n-d-e-m so i'm always dropping little nuggets there it's all real estate stuff but um like like a lot of your listeners and i'm sure like you martin i'm still learning i'm still trying to figure out navigating my path and where to go from here and um I'm just passionate about sales, marketing, and real estate. And uh, again, I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit today.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. So, are you on Facebook? Are you on um? What's your website?
2: Yeah, oh. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. You can find okay. me if you Google my name. Everything will come up.
0: Okay, so the Sure Sales Group. If if someone Google's that, they'll find it. I'll put the links below uh, for people to. I'll put your website. I'll put all that stuff in the links below, guys. Thank you for listening. My friend, Sir Andrew, thank you for being here. I'm sure that my audience has found a ton of value in the information you shared, guys. This guy's a rock star. If you want to do, if you're looking in the Baltimore market and you need some resources in that area, you want to call Andrew. You want to reach out to him, guys. Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more, how to reach him, all of the all of his information is going to be on the show notes. And of course, as usual, all of my contact information is on the show notes. So if you want to learn how to invest passively in real estate or you want to just get either more education on real estate investing, just check out the show notes. I have a bunch of links there. And don't forget to get the, the habit tracker I've, that Andrew and I just talked about. Andrew talked about the habits and how you do those things. Remember, text the word strategies to 3322. Guys, again, thank you for listening. Andrew, thank you for being here. And we'll talk soon. We have to do this again as, as the market continues to shift.
2: Let's do it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierrichcapital.com.